0: I'm the Compliance Evangelist and I'd like to welcome you to the August edition of my 1 Month to a More Effective Compliance Program series that I'm running throughout 2017. This month will be 1 Month to More Effective Continuous Improvement. My sponsor this month is Affiliated Monitors. No one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, I would urge you to visit visit Affiliated Monitors at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. As I indicated, this month we're going to look at one month to more effective continuous improvement. We're going to consider auditing and monitoring the different types of audit- auditing that you can do, from third-party auditing, supply chain, data risk auditing, auditing, culture auditing, for auditing against fraud. We're going to talk about control testing. We're going to look at continuous improvement through the use of big data. We're going to look at measuring effectiveness, risk-based monitoring, email sweeps as monitoring, and listening as continuous monitoring. I think you're going to find it a fascinating month And I'm sure at the end of the month, you will have picked up multiple lessons on what you can do to improve your compliance program around continuous improvement. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode, and I hope you'll join me for the entire month. This 2017 One Month to a Better Compliance Program podcast series is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 14, Measuring the Effectiveness of a Compliance Program. Determining effectiveness has been on my mind in large part since the release of the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs in February 2017. Obviously, the new byword from the evaluation is operationalization, but a key in determining operationalization is determining your compliance program effectiveness. I recently put that question to Vincent Dianciani, CEO and founder of Affiliated Monitors, and his colleague, Eric Feldman, the SVP of Affiliated Monitors, Feldman began by explaining you need to consider both outcomes and outputs. Outcomes can show you the specific actions, such as inve- investigations and conclusions to these investigations. DC Ancini added the numbers are attractive because they form a straight line about your compliance program function. Yet D'Antini. D.C. sorry about that, cautioned that the numbers only give you one view of a compliance program. You need to consider the qualitative side of the equation as well. This is where outputs are equally important as they form the qualitative portion of determining compliance program effectiveness. More importantly, you cannot conflate the two. Feldman explained that hotline data is a good example. So if your number of hotline reports drops dramatically, the company may well believe that their compliance program is effective. However, Feldman cautioned that this could be a tenuous conclusion because just as easily one could conclude that your culture has taken a turn for the worse, that employees are afraid of retaliation, and they don't have faith and trust in the anonymity of your hotline system. Therefore, they're not reporting things that are going on. And unfortunately, there actually may be more activity going on. You just don't know about it. Some important considerations are such softer measures as how employees feel about whether the company is committed to a speak-up culture. Feldman noted that by interviewing employees, you can determine if they feel comfortable going to their managers and if their managers are involved going to upper-level management. TCO, or a corporate reporting hotline if and when they see misconduct, or do they mind their own business and look the other way because they're afraid something will happen to them? The best way to make that determination is through personal interviews. At least, that's what Feldman has concluded. Another key way is to determine if any effective compliance, if you have a effective compliance program, is to see if there is a correlation about what the company says on paper on its mission vision and values around compliance here a key metric is performance incentives bonuses promotions and assignments you must ascertain if the financial packages are based solely on hitting your numbers or there are elements that balance out the financial measures with ethical measures and integrity measures for example is a measure is a manager effectively disseminating the ethics message and building an ethical culture within his or her group and are they rated in a performance appraisal that should be a part of their bonus system. One valuable resource I found was the uh, Healthcare Compliance Association and OIG's 2017 March release of Measuring Compliance, Program Effectiveness, a Resource Guide. Although it was publicly released after the DOJ evaluation in February, it was drafted prior to that time so that the document's release and hence did not have the benefit of the DOJ's most current thinking on measuring compliance. The document is an excellent resource on not only what to measure, but equally importantly, how to measure. The seven elements of a compliance program is detailed in the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines. While the focus is clearly toward the healthcare industry, the concepts are broad enough for any industry or compliance practitioner to use to determine the effectiveness of a compliance program. Finally, it's very cost effective as it's at no charge available on the OIG website. The resource guide, with the resource guide, you'll be able to more fully determine the operationalization of your compliance program. The stated purpose is to give compliance professionals as many ideas be as broad enough to help any type of organization going forward. It also allows a tailoring and measurement of how your company's managing its own risks. The frequency of any <clears throat> the frequency of use of any measure should be based upon an organization's risk size, areas of risk, resources, industry segments, et cetera. So what are some of the things it advocates? As you take a look at, well, really it's the entire panoply under the sentencing guidelines, but I want to take just a couple of examples. So what to measure around an active board of directors in compliance? Well, review the meeting minutes where compliance officers report in person to the Auditor Compliance Committee or to the board of directors, and conduct inventory of reports around a board. How about uh, budget? Well, here you review the Charter of the Governing Body, the Board of Directors, to verify it includes the approval of the compliance budget. Sufficient compliance resources. Review the budget and staffing to ensure sufficient risks are uh, adequately managed. What about commitment from the top? Review the compliance program resources. Review documentation to ensure staff, board, and management are effectively involved in the program. Conduct interviews of the board, management, and staff. So these are just touchstones Around some of the things that you can measure. I can't really uh, emphasize enough that it's the measurement, as Feldman notes, really of these uh, of soft, softer uh, qualities adding to the quantitative aspect of your review. DeCiani concluded by emphasizing the need for both a qualitative and quantitative approach to measuring compliance program effectiveness. Numbers are important, but they only tell part of the equation. He stated that both are very important, but I think without having consideration of both in place, you would not obtain a full understanding of how an effective compliance program is in its operations. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one. You should test your compliance program effectiveness through both a qualitative and quantitative approach. Yes, you have to look at the numbers. You have to look at the number of hotline complaints. You have to make that comparison. You might want to look at GTE spend. You might want to look at your spend for agents. You might want to look at sales correlated with a CSR spend and or charitable donations in a high-risk uh, geographic area. But that's the part of it. Also, never forget the qualitative approach, and I've detailed some of the questions you should ask. Um, and drawn upon the experience of uh, Feldman and Deciani uh, for interview techniques and topics. How do you tie the company's missions, values, and vision to its operation in the field? And one of the clear ways to do that is what is their comp system? Two, bring in an outside party to interview your employees. Uh, uh, Self-administered surveys are certainly uh, one technique you can use, but bringing in an outsider, I think, uh, lends credibility. Three, I've just touched upon the HCCA OIG guide here, but it's really an excellent resource for you to consider compliance program effectiveness. The price is right. It's free. It's available for download. I've linked to it in the show notes here, and you should definitely take a look at it because it gives you some really specific ideas on how to have program effectiveness. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed Day 14 of One Month to More Effective Continuous Improvement, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for Day 15. This is Tom Fox. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to More Effective Continuous Improvement in your compliance program. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, please rate this podcast. It was a help in our rankings. And also get the word out about the only daily podcast podcast to help you improve your compliance program. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. And you've been listening to one month of more effective continuous improvement from the Compliance Podcast Network.